with you on this first experimental segment will be in a while where we are only doing evening service. So thank you for coming out on this 85 degree day for wrenching yourself from whatever you were doing probably outside to be here. Just so grateful for that. I'm uh, also excited today um, to just introduce to you uh, our new sermon series and to, to start us off in a new sermon series um, for this post-Easter season. For the past two months, our preaching team has been in the book of Exodus really diving deep down into the nature of salvation, into what it means to be delivered. The nature of this complicated and this, this, this complicated spiritual and political journey that we at the table consider paramount. And then last week, Pastor Anthony rounded out that series with this beautiful service that we had together on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And now, as we move into the season of Easter, which is several weeks long, we're going to pivot a little bit. We're going to turn to the book of Acts uh, and spend several weeks there thinking about the tangible fruit of the resurrection, the tangible fruit of the ascension of Jesus, which is the church, which is us sitting here in this room. We're going to try to talk about what it means to live together in tangible life together as a community and explore our calling to be church and what that is all about. It has been a hard two years to be church, y'all. And so we want to spend some time reorienting ourselves to what that is all about in this season. And then before I, I go further, I have to say that the book of Acts is this particularly important place for us to settle as we talk about this vocation, but it's also a book that maybe for many of us is a little bit fraught. It's a church that in some moments and in some places has, you know, people in the church have not maybe done the best time with, have not handled the best. And I know this from first-hand experience. I, I have said this before. I grew up in what I would call Baptist spaces. We were people who deeply cared about the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Book of Acts centers that work. In the best ways, we felt that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was present, was here, was available, was among us. Was God was close. And I've heard it said, and I kind of love this, and I think I agree, that Pentecostalism is the most African form of Christianity on American soil. There's this sense of the Spirit of God is in touch in that, in that tradition with our bodies and with our hearts and with our emotions in ways that can be really beautiful. I remember at one point growing up uh, in the church that I mainly grew up in, I began to hear teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is something you'll hear that phrase in the text we're going to talk about this evening. I was very much the kind of girl who did things like uh, 
cry in church because of her sense of need for God. I was like nine. I was that kind of girl who felt like there's anything that God has for me that I don't yet have, I want it. And so one day there was an altar call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I, of course, went forward. It seemed like a good thing. I didn't fully understand it. And I went forward, and I was ushered into this room in the back of the church with just a few other people. And one of the leaders of the church, somebody I deeply trusted, put his hand on me and just said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, and I realize as I say that, that the story could go a couple of ways. But the way it went was that I, I, I the next thing I could basically, I was on my back. And I was experiencing something to this day that I still cannot explain. That was one of the best feelings of peace I've probably ever had. Something that is deeply outside of language, that is deeply somehow, I'm trying to figure out, on the other side of reality. Now, you might guess this, but I don't tell that story much. This is definitely the largest group of people I have ever, ever told that story to. Uh, part of that is that I, like everybody else in this room, took science. And science requires empirical evidence. And that story has no empirical evidence, all right? Other than that I see, I experienced it. But I also don't tell that story because there's been so much abuse inflicted in the name of following the Holy Spirit. One example, close to my heart, easy to name, is people trying to cast out the demon of homosexuality in the name of the Holy Spirit. Using the Book of Acts and the Spirit's primary role in that book, I have seen, and maybe you have seen, pressure placed on people to say that they were healed. Demons were in my spaces sometimes imagined and then exercised from people in the name of the Spirit. People were coerced in coercion experiences that rode on essentially the, the emotion of a good song. And this, they said, is what the early church did and what it means for us to be called together. Years later, many years later, maybe a decade later, I can remember standing in an artisan market in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso. I had been there for about four or five months. Uh, and I was living with this beautiful family of missionaries, and they were mentoring me. So what I felt my call was in that season. I picked a lot of stuff up on that trip. For example, I went out there. No French. I do not recommend this. <laughs> so I picked up some French for sure. And I also picked up a lot more conflicted feelings about the thing that we call missions. That's something we would explore in the series we're, we're moving through on the book of Acts, by the way. But on that day, as I stood in this artisan market, um, I asked an artist who um, I basically was going to sketch this thing up, and I was going to come back. I asked him to make a boutique, five boutiques, actually, for each member of my family. And the one that I had made for myself, I actually still keep at my parents' house. They, they buy all the 
We're currently, as Dustin said, looking for a church space. Like a lot is going on. We're hatching a lot of plans in this community. So we want to revisit this idea, this astonishing invitation to life together in the next few weeks. Political philosopher Francis Lampadon said this. Each generation must, out of relative obscurity, discover its mission, fulfill it, or betray it. And I think that's true of the church in general. I think that's true of our church. Recall in this generation, in this time, in this place, and we have to consider what it looks like to fulfill our unique calling. And I think the book of Acts can help us with that. So let's take out the scriptures. If you have a Bible, if you have a phone, whatever you have, I do not have a slide for this. Um, so if you have something, <laughs> uh, pull that out. If you don't, just listen. We're going to Acts 1, 1 through 11. Very first page of the book of Acts. Acts 1, 1 through 11. So that's important to know. 
And then both the Gospel of Luke and this book, Acts, mention this person, Theophilus. Uh, and it just literally means lover of God. Uh, and here's just a bit of practical business that's going on. Whoever's writing Luke uh, has realized that they need someone to sponsor the work and or to help circulate the work, which is pretty common. And so this person is directly being addressed uh, who can help do some of that. Some people also think that Theophilus may have been like a young believer, like may have been somebody that um, was being catechized. And so that both Luke and Acts are really this like really compact instruction to somebody who just become a believer. And then the other thing I'll say is that uh, when Luke, the writer of Luke, is, is starting this gospel, they have in mind the end of Luke. So if you're at all interested as we move through the series, go back. Luke's a great place to go to think about the themes of the Spirit. Um, and, and, and the appearances that he has in mind. So at the end of the Gospel of Luke, like Jesus meets the disciples in the room to a face. Jesus invites them to touch him and eat with him. So that's really the starting point for the passage that I just read. In our book, The Purpose of Power, Black Lives Matter, co-founder Alicia Gardner writes, movements are the story of how we come together when we come apart. The early disciples clearly created one of the most important and profound and powerful movements that has ever been known in world history. Yet the passages that Luke uses to begin recounting that movement make clear that there's this crisis. Jesus is leaving. And this is a story about the instructions that he is giving to this community he's leaving. This is like a last will and testament. The disciples have to figure out what does it mean to be Jesus followers when there's no Jesus? Like, what is that about? What does it mean to be called together when everything is falling apart? And I think that's one of the first things that it means to be church, to figure out what it means to be called together when everything is falling apart. And note too in this text that the disciples don't necessarily even seem to know at first, what, what they're to do, because they just keep looking at heaven in a way that these two other men have to kind of say, okay, uh, you can't just keep looking up at heaven. You actually have to go do some things, because things have fallen apart from them. This is ultimately an ascension narrative. Jesus goes up to heaven, and for the first years, an ascension narrative meant a succession narrative. The first people who heard this story would have known uh, really the only other ascension narrative that's like really famous in the Hebrew Bible is the story of Israel, which is the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah goes up to heaven. They're like firing horses and stuff. It's cool. Second Kings 2. It's really cool. Uh, but his, his kind of disciple and follower sees it happen. And, but before it happens, he says, can you give me a double portion of what you have? And that's what these people, as they watch Jesus ascend, then the hearers of this story would have realized, like, oh, these disciples are have the opportunity for this double portion after Jesus goes away. So it's, it's an ascension story that's about following in the prophetic work of Jesus in the Spirit. So to be called together means uh, coming together and everything is falling apart, but it also means waiting for the Spirit together. 
There's going to be a lot of we in this sermon series, like a lot of collecting, what are we doing, how are we reflecting together. So here's what verse 4 says. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Spirit. To wait together, to wait without taking action. It begs how good we are together and, and waiting. Particularly in a city like D.C. that trains on action, it prides itself on taking action. Like, how do we cultivate waiting in this context? Most of us have probably heard the phrase, don't just stand there, do something. But it's kind of the opposite of that. How do we learn how to, how to, how to just stand there without doing anything? Don't just do something, stand there. I have a feeling that these people were able to wait because the text says that they had convincing proofs. They saw Jesus. What are our convincing proofs that help us wait? We, most of them, well, probably haven't seen Jesus. I don't want to take away your experience. But yeah, most of us probably haven't physically seen Jesus. So then what are our convincing proofs as a community and how do we keep them in front of us? And then these were people who hate Jesus. They had these physical encounters together. And that was also a part of their ability to wait. It's real hard to like eat with one another these days. It's really hard. And yet, part of this ability to wait is that about how we make space and time for each other how we talk to each other and greet each other and ask about each other's lives. And I realize as I say this that all that sounds real simple, and yet it's really hard to actually do over and over again. How do we wait? The other thing I want to say about this waiting is that to be called together for these disciples meant to stay. The book of Acts is often, like we often talk about the book of Acts is about going, but the first thing they're told is actually to stay in Jerusalem, to stay in the city where they are, to go down deep where they are. Jerusalem is where the power of God is at work. Their first task is to witness to God at home. And you'll notice that even in the book of Acts, they don't get to the ends of the earth. They go to Rome, which is the center of the Roman Empire. And I think that that has a double message for us in this room. Because we are called into the city, and we are called into the city that is so often the center of the status quo over our world. In terms of policy, how do we value here as a church, this place, this ground, this soil? Dr. Willie James Finnick says this, geography matters. Place matters to God. From a specific place, the disciples will move forward into the world. To go from place to place is to go from people to people and to go from an old identity to a new one. Jesus prepares them for the journey of their lives by holding them in that place, and from that place they will be changed. Church, how is this place Washington, D.C., our communities, our neighborhoods, how are they changing us and forming us and forming what it means to do the prophetic work of Jesus?
How do we wait the Spirit of God on this soil? And then I want to say that being called together means embracing that this community of Christ is without limitation. I hope you notice this. Jesus tells the disciples they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing they say, you know, the first thing they say is, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? It's actually, it's actually a pretty good question because in the Hebrew Bible, anytime the Spirit is outpouring out, out pretty much, it's about this, the kingdom of Israel. It's about the kingdom being restored to Israel. It's about the getting rain. It's about all of those things. So it's a good question. And Jesus doesn't actually directly refute it. And yet, the book of Acts, and this is something we're going to talk about a ton in this series, is so clear that being called together is about crossing every conceivable boundary of ethnicity and economic life and job title and sexuality. It's, it's about being called to move against diaspora and the practicality of, of survival. It's being called to move against colonial forms that demand assimilation and have this veneer of difference on top of them without any authentic integration of life. We are called to cross boundaries, and that is, that if that was considered transgression, we are called to transgress every border and boundary that keeps humans apart. Here's Jennings again. The Book of Acts is an unequivocal assault on nationalism in all its forms. God, from the very beginning of the Acts, will not share a holy desire with any nationalistic longing that draws borders and boundaries. The Holy Spirit will break open what we want closed and shatter our strategies of protectionism. Nationalism gives energy to the false belief that only by its single efforts can a people sustain its story, its hope, and its life. Such a belief for the Christian is unbelief. So we're going to reflect some on what it means for our community. What are what, going to reflect some on who the table church and who resurrection see, see themselves as for, and then how we're called to step outside of that and expand that sense of who we're for in ways that are hard scary. Alright, so I can go on and on and on and on and on. Alright? But that's what the series is for. So the last thing I'm just going to say today is that yes, the book of Acts is about all these things, being called together, coming together when things fall apart, taking up the work of Jesus. It's, it's about being fueled by convincing proofs and staying and waiting. It's about boundary-crossing, transgressive community that results in radical acts of joining. But it's also, y'all, about God's power for now. And this is the thing that really is what this passage is going for. In the book of Acts, the power that is most expressed is prophetic witness to the reign of God. It's witness. And no, you cannot witness to abstract theological truth. You can only witness to what you have seen and heard. 
Power shows over up and over again in this book. It shows up over and over. It shows up in jailbreaks. It shows up in exorcisms and healings and miracles. It shows up in all the flashiest of ways. But more than any of that, it shows up in the church's power for intimacy. That's the church's superpower. Vulnerability. Mutuality. God's strength, I think it's 2 Corinthians says, God's strength is made perfect in weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness. So how are we weak together? How are we weak together? Alright, it's been two hard years where people were living inside the reality of resurrection and trying to figure out what it means to be called to our generation. May we, y'all, as two communities being one, discern what it means to 